One of my very favorite things about Jesus is that when he shows up and gets involved, the rules of the world are turned upside down. You say you're not supposed to heal on the Sabbath, Jesus asks? Well, bring that man with a withered hand to me, and I'll show you that God's healing is available to you every single day of your life. And when the people mumble behind Jesus' back because he's spending time with prostitutes and tax collectors, he turns around, faces his accusers, and says, She may be a prostitute, but ever since I entered your house, she has not stopped washing my feet with her tears and drying them with her hair and rubbing them with ointment, while you have not so much as offered me a wash basin for my feet. What God values is not our standing in society, but our kneeling before God to honor the divine love we have received in Christ. When Jesus shows up, the world is turned upside down. They kill him on a cross, and the rules of this world say, that's the end, the wicked have won. But he rises from the dead and leaves the tomb empty, and now everything is changed forever, because God's love is stronger than death and mightier than wickedness. And there are two reasons why I love and commend to you this theme, this wonderful sense of topsy-turviness that Jesus brings. First, when he upends the social order, he's letting us know that the ways of this world are an illusion. The hierarchy we know, the pecking order, these are man-made constructs. But God's truth is greater. Jesus says the last shall be first, and this is good news for us. Because despite the sense of worldly success or failure that you might feel, even in a town as affluent as Los Gatos, what matters more than anything is that we are all equally beloved by God, beloved by God. Mercy is shown to those who suffer despite how this world treats them. And repentance is required of those who would inflict suffering. But all are beloved. Today's gospel reading tells the story of a whole town that cannot see past that pecking order of the world. Jesus returns to Nazareth and begins to teach in the synagogue. Everyone is astonished. His hometown has already heard about the healings he's done elsewhere, so you would think they'd be thrilled by his visit. Instead, they take offense at him. Other translations of that phrase say they found him too much for them and they fell foul of him. Why? Because they knew him. He grew up there. His family of origin lived among them. They were acquainted with his blood relatives and familiar with his social status. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, they ask? How could this craftsman have something to teach them? This is not how it's supposed to be. Maybe if he graduated from Stanford, we would listen to him. But the guy graduated from West Valley College with a degree, a certificate in woodworking. He used to live in East San Jose. Who does he think he is? So they won't listen to him. They think he's being pretentious, too big for his britches. And they close their hearts to his profound wisdom because they can't let go of the world's illusions of hierarchy. And it's a shame because Jesus can perform no miracles where people refuse to let him in. The Nazarenes miss out on healing and revelation because of their closed-mindedness and their lack of faith. Not only do they shut out Jesus, though, 
they also kind of give up on themselves. When they can only hear a powerful message from so-called important people and not from someone who is like them, they deny the miracles God wants to work in their own lives. They think they're not good enough. Who is this guy? Let this be a reminder to all of us. Jesus has come to turn our world upside down. So let us keep our hearts open to receive his wisdom, which can come from anyone. And know this, God also wants to work through you. So don't block divine grace by thinking, for example, that you're not good enough, or that you have nothing to offer, or that you're kind of done with life. Your faith in Christ will suffice. And who you are, perfections and imperfections, will be exactly what God needs to perform that particular miracle that you are called to do. The second reason I have for loving how Jesus reorders our expectations is mentioned in today's letter from Paul to the Corinthians. My grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. Paul wrote these words from experience. He was once a Pharisee whose power led him to persecute the followers of Jesus. But after his conversion on the road to Damascus, his evangelizing for Christ brought him many hardships, insults, persecutions, and calamities. Yet even though he fell from power as a religious leader, it was only in his new life of weakness that God's true power could manifest. What this means for us is this. The grace of God does not enter this world via religious leaders or those who judge others, nor does it arrive with trumpet fanfares in tanks and jeeps, on nationally televised speeches or via Wall Street traders. No, divine power breaks into this world through people like you and me. And the culture at large may or may not consider us very important, but the eyes of God regard us with a love that can make us strong. And God's power is made perfect in weakness. Not only does Christ work through us regular folks, he can also enter the world through our imperfections and our sufferings. Now, suffering, I don't believe, is good in and of itself. But the fact is that to live in this broken world is to suffer sometimes. And what Paul is trying to tell us today is that good can come even from suffering and weakness. Because where God mends us is also where God can help us mend others. It's like the line from the Leonard Cohen song whose name I can't remember. Ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. You've probably heard the notion of the wounded healer. Some of us have gone through an ordeal that has broken our heart. It may take years for the break to mend, and we may never be the same again, but God's love is working through those very cracks in your heart so that in your weakness, the power of God can shine forth. This is how support groups work. An AA sponsor is much more qualified to help a fellow alcoholic because she has gone through it herself. Or if you've suffered from loneliness in your life, that pain and experience may spur you to speak to someone sitting alone at a coffee hour in the parish hall because you know how it can feel. Losing a loved one, being laid off, 
there are many ways we are wounded in this life. And the topsy-turvy message of Jesus is that we can be a healing presence for others precisely because we have suffered similar wounds. We have been pricked by the same thorn in our side. My grace is sufficient for you. Remember that the word compassion means to suffer with compassion. For whenever we are weak, then we are strong. And God is with us through it all. So today we give thanks for Jesus, who came into the world and turned it upside down. May we always know that God's grace is and will be sufficient for us in all times and in all places. Amen.